Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, why is a woman's prison still called a penal colony? Hi, America. Hello, world. My <laughs> name, early use of the inappropriate bell. The earliest use ever of the inappropriate bell. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show and we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris... She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realised this week that if the Wicked Witch of the West melts in water, then she must never have ever washed. Welcome to the show, Heather. What? What lies have you been saying about me? I said the Wicked Witch of the West. If she's never washed, she must be French. Oh. Welcome to the show. (laughs) We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has wondered this week why they don't call moustaches mouth brows. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> it's true, Hello. though, isn't it? The word moustache is French, but it comes from uh, originally Italian Latin, which does mean, as a literal translation, hairy lip. So it makes me wonder why we didn't keep going with that. Very strange. <laughs> Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce... There's no reason why I asked you that, by the way, Kim. I'm not casting aspersions or saying anything about... <laughs> I mean, obviously, you've got Scandinavian heritage. We'll leave that there. 
finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC Outside Broadcast Department. He is also our sound engineer and producer. Craig has had sleepless nights this week, wondering what will happen if he fails his survival course next week. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Greg. What, yeah. do, what does happen if you're on a survival course and you fail? I mean, do they bring a body out? I mean, what happens at that point? I'm just saying. We are on episode 11, series 2. 11's a fabulous number, by the way, and there's points to be had very early on here, of course. In astrology, Aquarius is the 11th astrological sign. Despite being the water carrier, it is actually an air sign, would you believe? I had a big argument with my mother once, who's an Aquarius. And by the way, if you are an Aquarius, you are the worst arguer and the most demonstrative of all the star signs. So if you're married to an Aquarius or know an Aquarius, I'm sure you've had bitter and long arguments with them. They're very stubborn and like a good argument, which is my mother, of course. Luckily, she's <laughs> snoring at the moment next door. But if she wakes up, she'll, she'll be coming in here and telling me off. But they are actually an air sign. And I argued with my mother once who claimed her own sign was a water sign because it was the water carrier, which does make perfect sense. But it is, in fact... An air sign, probably talking a lot of air, I would suggest. The maple leaf of the Canadian flag has 11 points. Did anyone know that? No. Our Canadian cousins there. I was once uh, playing the trumpet. I played the trumpet when I was a kid. I don't know if anyone knows that. But I was asked to play the anthem, um, Canada Forever, and I said I couldn't do that because I get tired after two or three hours. (laughs) 11. I've got all week. (laughs) <laughs> 11 is the number of guns in a military a gun salute, but not in Minnesota because apparently it's illegal to discharge a weapon and a gun in a graveyard or cemetery in Minnesota. So it just makes me wonder what happened in the past that they felt they had to pass that law. There are a large number of people that die every year by people firing guns into the air and then gravity bringing the bullets back down and killing individuals because what goes up, of course... They, they do shoot blanks. They do shoot blanks. Do you? No, I won't go there. It's too early in the show. <laughs> but everybody's thinking but, it. <laughs> but, it, but they do have 21 gun salutes in Minnesota, too. Do they? Yes. I wonder what the difference is then between an 11 gun salute and a 21 gun salute. 10. Oh, for the love of <laughs> God. Heather's on minus 10. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial start, ladies and gentlemen. Ouch. And for points, I will give you points. You've got a chance to claw some points back. Only three films in the history of cinema have won 11 Oscars. If anyone can tell me what any of those films are, there's just three films have won 11 Oscars. Think of the biggest... Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. No, Kim, that's not that. <laughs> Unfortunately... It wasn't biggest. It I deserved, just thought it was appropriate. It deserved it. it Gone with des- the Wind. Oh, that's a good guess. But no. you're wrong. Oh. No. Greg, any films in the last 200 years? No, <laughs> I, don't, I, just, I don't have any idea. Charlie Chaplin, Laurel and Hardy. Am I going to have to give these to you? Yes. Ben-Hur, 1959. I think that would have been a shoo-in. You should have got that. Titanic, if you remember oh. that. I will give you points. Who gets the closest year that was made? Have a guess when the film Titanic, Cameron directed that, when that was made. 2003. Heather. 95. Greg. 98. Oh, Greg's one point. It was, in fact, 97. I couldn't believe that. 1997. 
I actually met someone who went down on the Titanic. Um, well, she didn't go down on it, obviously. She wasn't in spirit. But her dad died and her mother, and she survived. And she was like a small girl, I think, age of eight or age of nine. Her name was Mrs. Hart. And she came from East London and was very famous. And when I was a kid, I was led into assembly in the morning. What do you call assembly over here when you go into the hall of the school and they say prayers and sing songs? and Assembly. Assembly. Okay. You say assembly. <laughs> I say assembly. And uh, this lady was, this old lady was brought onto the stage and uh, she talked about the Titanic and what it was like and she lost her dad on that. I actually spoke to and met someone who was on the Titanic. It's quite remarkable. How old was she? Well, she was very old then. But she no, only, when she was on the Titanic. I think she was about eight or nine, something like that. So she could remember quite a bit about oh, it. Oh, yeah, she remembered a lot about it. She said at one point her mother got out the lifeboat and told her to wait where she was. And her mother ran off and she thought her mother was going to get her jewels or to get something expensive out of the cabin. She came back with a big armful of oranges because she didn't know how long they'd be in there. And there was a fruit basket. So she left the lifeboat, went and got some fruit and then came back onto the lifeboat again, which I thought was very interesting. But she's a very interesting lady. My school did some fabulous things, actually. We actually got to meet some survivors of Auschwitz and we saw the tattoos on their arms and all manner of people. Very, very interesting. I just imagine when the Titanic was going down, do you think there was crabs in the tank in the restaurant that thought their prayers had been answered? You know, everyone's, <laughs> everyone was you know, obviously depressed and horrified that the Titanic was sinking. All the crabs and lobsters that were in the restaurant in a tank were praying all afternoon that the ship would go down. And when the water rose up to the tank level, they escaped and it was the, it's celebrated now as a national holiday. 12th of April is celebrated by crustaceans all over the world for the day that they were saved. I'm just saying, different perspective is where we are. <laughs> Lord, you Lord have of, too much time. Why is everyone telling me to get on with the show? Lord <laughs> of the Rings, Return of the King, was uh, 2003. And that also won 11 Oscars. So coming out of the back end of that, Greg's on one point, Heather's on minus 10. <laughs> Kim and myself are yet to score. Of course, I can't answer my own questions, so I'm already at a disadvantage. We had a very interesting week, actually. Kim, you look like you was about to... Oh, you're at no disadvantage. You're the scorekeeper. We know how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing this for two years, ladies and gentlemen, and Kim has just worked it out. <laughs> this is what comes with being educated in Mountain Lake and Wyndham. Um, I had a very interesting week. We went to Sanborn. We have a website, and uh, we are members, and I'm the founder of the International Paranormal Society. And if you wish to look at our work and what we do, you can go to int, I-N-T, paranormal. Dot net. And I often get people write to me on there and uh, the messages and the letters get forward to, uh, forwarded to me. And we were asked to go to a small town called Sanborn, which is in the southwest corner of Minnesota, where the woman said her house was crazily haunted. Could we come and have a look at it for her because she was worried? So we turned up and instantly we walked into this house. I thought it looked like the house that you see that's archetypally haunted. What's the film where the true life story? Amityville. Amityville. That's it. Thank you. I thought it looked a bit that like that. That should be worth a point. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Heather's on minus nine. Um, but we went in there. The EMF activity was madness just to start with. So yeah. whether that was caused by the ghost or spirits or it was naturally occurring and the ghosts and spirits were haunting the place because the whole thing was juiced up and was a catalyst. And it was fluctuating too. It was. It was transient going in and out on all of our meters. The lady said that she was having problems because she kept waking up in the morning on three or four occasions and was covered in red handprints. So a ghost in the middle of the night has obviously decided, you know, he would take a chance and kind of, you know, 
feel death walking over, I guess. I don't know. Very odd. But you still have the same desires. I've noticed this on investigations throughout my career all over the world. You still have the same basic human desires. I've been chatted up by people that have died in 1933. I've seen female members of my team you know, being asked to take their clothes off when we're in a Wild West kind of setting, you know, hotels and bars back in the day. And it's very interesting. You have the same... Isn't it fabulous to sit here and realise that there's sex after death? That makes me very happy. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know... It doesn't get used very often, but it's nice to know it's there. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> but we went up there and uh, we used the ghost box and some of my psychic abilities. It turns out, to cut a long story short, there was a couple of guys living upstairs in spirit that once say, stayed there when it was a boarding house. And uh, they worked on the railroad and they were very interested in the voluptuous brunette that was currently residing in that property. And we kind of had to tell them that it was okay for them to still live in the house, but don't jump in bed with her with her in the middle of the night because obviously you know ghostly shenanigans isn't what she wanted it might be for some people i'd like a ghost that does my laundry does my ironing that kind of thing <laughs> has a nice lasagna waiting for me by the time i get home if anyone knows such a ghost perhaps from the last century that'd be fabulous is there anything you'd like to add to that heather you were with me when we went up there uh no just a lot of talking and whispering on the ghost box and and it actually had said at one point, you know, you had asked where it was at or or where it likes being, and it said right beside her yes. in bed. <laughs> yes. Her face was a picture, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you can imagine such a thing. But that was, in fact, true, and we have that all recorded. And perhaps one day we'll put those recordings, if we get permission, on air and we can play those. But that was what we did this week. We run into the first round, that is Ghosts and Hauntings, with a duvet and a quilt wrapped round us, and we've warmed our hounds up and we're looking for voluptuous brunettes. I start with a story that says, did a ghost photobomb this family holiday snap? Mystery's eerie apparition lurks behind kids. A family was given a fright when they eagerly inspected their holiday snaps and spotted what appears to be a ghost lurking in the background. The chilling picture was taken when the Islam family were enjoying a day out at Randhay Park near Leeds, West Yorkshire, England. Nurul Islam, 37, said his sister took the eerie photograph, which features his niece, Myrian, 11, and nephew, 9-year-old, Ryan. When they looked back at the snap of the two youngsters posing in front of the folly built in 1812, they were shocked to see the spooky apparition. The folly, which is a Victorian-style fake ruin, was built in 1812 by George Nettleton for the Nicholson family. Mr Nettleton, who brought the Round Hay Park estate in 1803, built the mansion and landscaped the grounds and created the lakes. Nerell said that they were all shocked when they saw the image, which just looked like a sh um, it shows an adult wearing what appears to be a cloak and walking up the steps with their arm outstretched. Nerell said, I don't even like watching scary films and I don't like looking at this photo. It's spooky. There was no one there. We were taking lots of pictures because people were standing on the steps and walking about. We waited for them to move on before we took the picture. We waited and waited for a clear point where no one was there, as they wanted to hold their hands together. That's why we're sure no one was there when we took the picture. I didn't think anything of it and took a few more. Then when we got home and looked at the photos, I saw this thing at the back that wasn't there before. My sister said, oh my God, it's a ghost. I've started to think it might be. There was definitely no one there when I took the picture. And if you wish to see that picture, you can visit our Facebook site at the moment, which is More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee. And you can actually have a look at that particular photograph. And it looks like a woman 
wearing a kind of white robe. I don't know if you're aware of um, the Lady of the Lake painting um, by a, a very famous British artist called Waterhouse. If you look up the Lady of the Lake and uh, by Waterhouse, that painting of a pre-Raphaelite era painting, it's a woman in a white flowing dress with long hair. It looks just like that. So it looks like it literally is a woman. I think it's a woman standing in the background of the photograph with her arm outstretched, wearing a long white robe. It's very bizarre. It's not been photoshopped, I'm sure of that. And uh, I can't believe anyone would be wandering around in a medieval white robe. Sounds very odd and very bizarre to me. Have you seen that picture, by the way? I have. What did you think of it? It looks like it's a... You can't see through it. This is true. It's not... not, Here's a good word. It's not diaphanous. There you go. There's points just to be had for saying diaphanous. (laughs) Well, I don't often get a chance to use it. Well, it's too late now. The horse has bolted. Okay, you're a minus seven. It's all good. I'm on a positive integer of one. Heather, where are you for me in the world this week on Ghosts and Hauntings? Your guess is as good as mine, but I'll give you the story. Metro man halts train ahead of Rabindra Sarabar's metro station due to alleged ghost sighting. What was the name of the station? Rabindra Sarabar. Okay, that sounds Indian to me, but I'm no expert. I have spent a lot of time on Indian trains. I shared a cabin once with half a dozen chickens and some raw sewage, if that helps. And a goat? Yeah, the goat was on the roof. He'd bought a more expensive (laughs) ticket. (laughs) On Thursday evening, a Kolkata Metro motorman used the emergency brakes to halt a train alleging that he had seen a ghost. The train was suspended for several minutes after the incident took place. According to the Metro employee, he saw a ghost inside the tunnel a little way from the Robindra Sarabar metro station. To his surprise, he did not see anything after the train stopped. A similar incident was reported last week, too, so apparently they're having several sightings. So it's almost like a residual. It keeps yeah. coming back at similar times, does it? Yep. When Ayaman tried to contact the motorman, he refused to speak. Now, his name is Ayaman. Ayaman. I am in. in. I wonder how many times that gets shouted on a Saturday night. <laughs> His brothers are you bizarre. in? <laughs> oh, uh, but points the, to be had. But the chief public relations <laughs> officer Ravi Mahapatra. I'm still maintaining this is India. Okay, you can. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Ruled out the possibility of a presence of any spirit inside the tunnel. I don't understand how he can rule it out if it's there and then it's not, and then it's there and then it's not. So it's there and then it's not. It's there and it's not. It's in a tunnel and his name, are you in? Yeah. Where are we going with this? This is very Freudian, isn't it? (laughs) Tunnels and are you in and in and out and in and out. Uh, We have asked the motorman to undergo certain tests. Someone's playing a joke with you. They've asked you to read out this news story and it's laced with Freudian. Was there a train plunging itself deep into the dark tunnel at any point? No. Okay, I thought I'd ask. Uh, We've asked the motorman (laughs) to undergo certain tests. He might not be keeping well. He will join services only after getting a doctor's certificate that he is fit to run the train, Malpatra said. So the driver's now going under, like, psychometric testing. I see where we are. But he's like, he couldn't... That's what I don't understand. He said he couldn't... He ruled out the possibility of a presence. It doesn't make sense because a ghost isn't just going to stay there for somebody to investigate it. No, that's not been my experience of ghosts. They tend to give you the run around. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Very that's Freudian, Heather. Is anything else you want to discuss? What about the dream you had last night where you thought you were the sponge around a hot dog bun? I just, I, you know. A, a sponge around a hot dog bun. 
a corn dog. I get there in the end. <laughs> I love going to the state fair when everything comes with a stick and you've got your own tools. It's a joy, isn't it? Everything uh, can be unblocked with a stick afterwards, is what I'm saying. Kim, help me out here. <laughs> what have you got? In- God, please. No, don't shake your head. There's a story in front of you. The sickest theme park ever. Tourists flock to experience real-life cremation in the death simulator at Chinese amusement park. Oh, I must go there. Fabulous. Do you think they have the long kind of queues and lines that they have at Disneyland? Probably. With the golden ticket from With last the, week. With the golden ticket. <laughs> Straight to the front. Turn the fire on. Magic. Uh, tourists around the world are being drawn to a bizarre death simulator at a Chinese amusement park that offers you the chance to experience cremation. The ride, called the Cremator... The cre- no, no, it's called the cremator. There you go. <laughs> you try that, Kim. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was Kim. Uh, it offers the morbidly curious the opportunity to find out what it me- might feel like to be cremated using a system of hot air and light projections. The cremator. <laughs> I'm sorry. But punters at the window of the world oh, amusement yeah. park must first be settled into their temporary coffins. The Window of the World Park is a cultural theme park in Shenzhen that boasts an incredible range of attractions crammed into its 48 hectares. I like the, uh, perhaps they could have a ride like, you know, this is what it's like to be married ride, you know, where you can go through and... <laughs> they wouldn't attract them from all over the world, the though. washing up piled up and, you know, no, okay, just no, me then. No, This is what it's like to be married ride. You know, the first nine or eight years are quite good fun on the ride, but then it starts to wear thin after the next ten, I'm guessing. No? Okay. <laughs> bitterness. Bitterness, ladies and gentlemen. Do continue, Kim, as I pour my heart out here in a Freudian manner. <laughs> Among these are an astonishing 130 models of the world's most famous landmark attractions in miniature, including Buckingham Palace, the Eiffel Tower, the Coliseum, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and Mount Rushmore. Wouldn't it be fabulous to put a monkey suit on and go plowing through all of that and pretend you're King Kong? That'd be a joy, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be. That's what, I, that's what I'd be doing. Just saying. Godzilla. Godzilla, that works. Any of those I'd be happy with. You could put a Godzilla costume on and go plowing through the model village. And Mothra. I have no idea what you're talking about now. That's a Godzilla. Never mind. Okay. That's an Indian god, I believe. No. It's a nemesis. It's a nemesis of Godzilla. No, the nemesis lives on coral reefs in around Australia and have like stingy tentacles. Those are nematodes. (laughs) No, that's like a frog. (laughs) Kim, where were you going with this? Uh, The experience begins with a journey through the morgue, following which they are placed in a coffin and put on a conveyor belt. Well, They are then carried through a chamber filled with hot air to simulate the flames used during cremation. Is there a photograph taken at the end as you're going into the flames? Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) You're you're looking very pallid and your flesh colours have gone and, you know, someone's done your hair and makeup for you. Wouldn't that be freaky if somebody died on the ride? Oh, yeah. Could you go through and get your photograph taken? There is there is a roller coaster that was designed by a oh, student. I've seen that. Where you go up, it, it's um, for euthanasia. So yep. you go up to the highest point of this roller coaster and then it does lots of loops. By the time you get to the end, you're dead. It's full of killing yourself. It's a euthanasia roller coaster. Because the G forces. Yeah, you can't. It's never been built. It was all theory and they've written and drawn plans and so on. But again, can you imagine, you know, the photograph? Click. You know, and you're kind of, your tongue's lolling out and, you know. As you're coming down the ride. As you're coming down the ride, you're dead and the photograph's been taken. <laughs> you can get it put on a tea towel or a mug or a jigsaw puzzle. I thought you were going to say a t-shirt. <laughs> there you are, you could have it put on a t-shirt. I died at Disneyland. There you go. 
<laughs> fun for all the family. Is there any more before we get taken no, off? No, I that's thank God good. for that. <laughs> you have gained three points for being interesting and showing elements of horror and for making me say the word the creminator. Creminator? What was it called then? The cremator. Oh, that'll do. I'm just <laughs> creminator. The creminator. That's a wrestler. That's a, that's a halfway terminator cremator put together. The yeah. slogan, I won't be back. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be back. Your coffin, give it to me. Nice night for a funeral. There's I've actually a... another part, a little bit of a part I'll add Is to that. Is this where you're jumping in and yeah. getting Kim's points for more no, of her story? No, no. Each I week, don't have the story, but I read the story. Each week, you're reading more and more stories. Out. No, now I don't have another story. Do I'm you want points you for this? No. Okay, well, go on then, just for the fun of it. Information purposes only. Okay. Ladies it's... and gentlemen, this is for information purposes only. Was it? Japan or China? You said China? China. Yeah, they are creating rooms for women to just go in and sob. Really? To relieve stress. We have trained waiting rooms for that. What? <laughs> just saying. <laughs> really? The sobbing room? That'll yeah, be $5. Yeah, they're making, they're making crying rooms for women to relieve stress, to go in there and just bawl. Really? They should have rooms for men that where we can relieve stress. <laughs> I think they do. Yeah, and you can get paid for making a large deposit. I have a story here. I'm going to kill the moment. Greg's moving uneasily in his chair. This is how he's made all his money. It's amazing that every child born in Mountain Lake for the last 20 years looks like Greg. <laughs> and that's just the women. Four-year-old boy killed when a tombstone fell on him during a cemetery visit. I know, I'm going to bring the mood down. Levi Driver was playing while his family visited a grave when the five-foot-tall stone, which was almost 100 years old, toppled and struck him on the head. He was rushed to hospital but pronounced dead. Officials at the cemetery in Odessa, Texas, could not explain why the stone, dating from 1919, fell over. Odessa Police spokesman Steve Lassure said the Driver family were at the cemetery to pay respects to someone while the four-year-old played at a nearby gravesite. Look, Daddy, I found a bone. Police said that they were investigating the death but do not expect to bring any charges. The toppled stone was not the oldest part of the cemetery where many headstones date back to the 1800s. They are dangerous places. I mean, it's full of... Where was this at? This is in Odessa in Texas. But they are dangerous places. I mean, there's open graves where you could fall down and, you know, it's a six-foot drop. And the ones in Britain date back to the medieval period. And there's lots of loose masonry and rubble and animals dig burrows and all kinds of carrying on. They're not places to be playing, are they, to be honest, is what I'm saying. Do you think the four-year-old was climbing on it, just kind of fell on him? Is that what it... Yeah, I don't understand how that fell on him unless he was perhaps climbing on it or messing around. But a lot of graves, of course, collapse because ultimately if you've got a coffin... That's a foot and a half to two foot deep, and it's hollow, of course. Over a period of time, the weight of the earth plus the rotting of the wood means that the ground collapses. And, of course, if the ground collapses in front of the gravestone, then the gravestone will actually topple forward. So perhaps the motion of the child walking on the ground collapsed the coffin under the soil. That's an awful heavy four-year-old. I know. Well, he's from Texas, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) We've just lost all our listeners in Texas. I would like to say, while we have the opportunity, actually, we have some listeners... Um, that listened to last week's show from Switzerland and Paraguay, and from Russia. So if you're listening in Switzerland, Paraguay or Russia, then uh, I'd like to say uh, Danke schön or Obligado or Spasiba. And thank you for listening to our show. We're on Dark Matter, of course, on a Friday night, going out live to the world, around the globe, the nation and beyond. 
fabulous. You can also catch up with us, of course, on SoundCloud. We have all our archives of all our shows for the last two years on soundcloud.com. And if you go to MQTA Radio, you will see all of our shows there. So if you're in the gym or you're in the car or you wish to go for a jog and listen to our dulcet tones telling jokes of the news of the paranormal from around the week, then you are welcome to be on there. That is the end of the round. That is Ghosts and Hauntings. Greg is on one for getting the closest date to when the Titanic film was made. I'm on four. Heather's on minus seven. Kim is currently on three. We grab our laser pen. We grab warm woolly underwear. We grab our flashlight and we stand in the field pointing it up at the air. This is the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. I have a fabulous story here. It says massive crab with giant claws dubbed Popeye caught in the English Channel. A monster crab that weighs more than nine pounds and has claws big enough to crush a man's arm has been caught in the English Channel. The massive pincers are four times more powerful than the human hand and it has been nicknamed Popeye because of its bulging arms. Oh, blowed out. It says tattoos as well and it's spinach apparently (laughs) photos of the animal which is one foot wide in its body and uses its ferocious claws to tear apart prey became a hit online it was caught by an unnamed fisherman off the coast of portsmouth who gave the edible crustacean to the blue reef aquarium in south sea it had been better giving it to a restaurant i guess Marine biologist Martin Chandler said he's a fantastic-looking specimen with an awesome set of fist-sized claws. It is clear that it's been around for a very long time, and it would be a shame for such an impressive-looking crab to end up as someone's lunch. I must tell you a story. I was in Amsterdam for a week looking at the Van Gogh Museum and Anne Frank's house and the Rijksmuseum with all the fabulous Dutch masters. I ate in a very posh restaurant. And I love crab. I just absolutely adore crab, lobster, fabulous. And there was crab on the menu, but it's in Dutch, remember. So I'm trying to, you know, as best I can, pick out what I want on the menu. And I thought, fabulous, I'd like the crab. That would be fantastic. I swear to God, a platter turned up. The guy, the waiter, took the metal dome off the platter. There was a crab just staring at me, looking at me, on a bed of lettuce, a whole crab. Nothing, there was nothing else. There was no potatoes, no real salad. It was just, it's just like someone had dropped a crab on my plate. Is this fresh, sir? It's still wriggling. But I then got given, you know, a box cutter and an oxygen settling torch and off we went. But it just seemed very odd to be given a crab for your dinner. There you go. You asked for it. I know, but I was expecting something that was perhaps dressed, you know. In what? Well, some sort of dinner outfit. I mean, a nice black Chanel number. I don't know. I've not dated many crabs. You know, it's just... Well. <laughs> you better stop there. <laughs> they never seem to go forward. You know, we all have our cross stations to bear. Oh. But this is Popeye the Crab. It goes on to say, we are currently keeping him in our quarantine area. But the plan is for him to move in his new home here in the aquarium in the coming days. No one is entirely sure how long crustaceans can live for, but it's certainly decades. So hopefully he has got a few good years left to enjoy his retirement. Popeye is the largest crab of his kind ever found. And if you wish to see Popeye, you can visit him on our Facebook site. The story is there and you can see Popeye in all his fabulous glory. Uh, More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. I shall give myself points for being informative and interesting. Kim, you look like you're about to chastise me. 
I was just going to give you a hard time and ask you if Popeye is a UFO or cryptozoology or yeah, just exactly how does this before. How, yeah, how does this what? fit I'm into sorry? our category? You've never had crabs before. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what are we saying here? Yeah, how is this cryptozoology and why are you getting points? This is the biggest crab of its kind ever found. How's that not cryptozoology? <laughs> it's I rigged, You I need tell to go you. away. It's I'm rigged. just trying to help out Heather here. Yeah. <laughs> Kim's on minus one. <laughs> I um, It's the biggest... Whatever. You need to look up what cryptozoology actually means, would be my best guess. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of crabs, UFOs and cryptozoology? Man catches weird furry trout in Wisconsin. Furry trout. I think I dated her. So they've got furry. Do you have to give it a shave? Maybe. Has it got like a, a lip brow? Oh... <laughs> Whatever. One fisherman got more than he bargained for when he hooked a trout while fishing near Milwaukee. It had been otherwise... Hang on a second. What? How's this UFOs and cryptozoology? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a furry trout. (laughs) It's a furry trout. That's UFOs and cryptozoology, is it? I don't want to hear anything from you, crab man. The trout is a cousin to his crabs. There There you you go. go. They're not my crabs, sir. It's a crab, and it was found in the English Channel. It's never met me. I don't know the person. We've never had a conversation. We've never met. And I swear that on the Bible. If he says that, he's a bloody liar. (laughs) It had been an otherwise unremarkable day out fishing along the Menominee River. (laughs) Menominee? Yeah. Menominee. That's right. (laughs) When George Bauer, who had been catching trout that were packed in a bottleneck, reeled in one particularly bizarre specimen that appeared to be covered in white fur. So it's their equivalent of Santa Claus. What if he was delivering all the baby fry presents and he's just pulled him on board? That'd be terrible. No little fishies getting presents this year. They were celebrating the sinking of the Titanic. When all those crabs and lobsters escaped from the tank that was in the oh, restaurant in the Titanic, go. that was the day they were celebrating. The catch seemed to match the local legend of the infamous fur-bearing trout, a fictional creature that was said to have developed a thick coat of fur all over its body to maintain heat. But they're cold-blooded. I'm telling you it's okay. a legend. and I'm telling you they're cold-blooded. The but- myth of this peculiar animal was particularly prevalent all the way up to the 1930s thanks to a spate of hoax specimens such as that produced by taxidermist Ross C. Job, which turned out to be nothing more than a regular fish with a coat of rabbit fur attached to its body. It's like the fisherlope, just saying. Gregalope. It's a, a fisherlope. <laughs> it's a gregalope. It's a gregalope. I'll have the gregalope and chips, please. Medium rare. Now, what they're saying is they don't know exactly what Bauer caught on his line in Wisconsin, and it remains unclear. While it's obviously not the fabled fur-bearing trout from the legend, some believe that the fish he reeled in may have been suffering from what is thought to be an extreme case of cotton mold. Great. I, I like the way he reels in a hairy fish, and they say this isn't the... He's got a hairy trout in his hand. A hairy trout, yeah. And they say this isn't the hairy trout... No. ...that this is famous for. It must be another hairy mm-hmm. trout. How many hairy trouts do they have? That's like shooting a it's Bigfoot. It's in Wisconsin. Who knows? You shoot, the, you shoot Bigfoot, you bring him to a circus, and they say, oh, hang on, that's not the Bigfoot we were going to be talking about. That must be another Bigfoot. I'm sorry, I'll send it back. <laughs> How many hairy trouts do they have down there? Is it near a nuclear power station? Wisconsin. 
Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Critics, on the other hand, argue that the amount of mold coverage is far too excessive to have occurred naturally and that the photograph taken is likely to be a hoax. I'm bored now. Is there much more? <laughs> <laughs> Heather's lip has just dropped to the floor. I'm pouting about my trout. I can see you've got a trout pout. That's right. <laughs> Uh, the guy said I contacted local wildlife official and they referred to it as as the rare fur-bearing trout. So it they now is the is. rare fur-bearing trout. Yes, one person said it's a hoax and the other person said no, it is actually a fur-bearing trout. Is That's it male or legend. female? I didn't look under the fur. Okay, i just just <laughs> asking out of interest. Fabulous. I shall give you points. You are now For on... my tr- furry trout pout. Your furry trout pout, you're now on minus five. So you're actually gaining points as we speak oh, kim we are in the round of crabs ufos and hairy fish i actually have a uh, story that fits the category oh well, i'll give you a point straight off the bat you're on four <laughs> <laughs> for Par- being relevant <laughs> paranormal conspiracy theorists claim leonardo da vinci was hiding the existence of alien life and the proof can be found in the mona lisa there you go the Paranormal Crucible website claims to have spotted an alien high priest hidden in the famous artwork, proof they say of an extraterrestrial presence. In a bizarre video posted online, the group reveals the hidden life form and identifies alleged facial features, a headdress, a cloak, and hands. How does an alien get a headdress out of interest? Already they're suggesting there's a hint of religion in there. It's very interesting. I've uh, done a lot of research, obviously, in the Renaissance. It's fabulous going to see some of these paintings by da Vinci. And I've seen Michelangelo's David. And wherever you stand in the room, his eyes following you around. It's <laughs> a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> do continue. I'm pouting again. <laughs> I know you are. There's no more points to be had. Kim, do continue. <laughs> A computer-generated voice says many theologians believe that Leonardo da Vinci deliberately concealed secret codes and subliminal messages in most of his work. If this is true, then it's reasonable to assume that the Mona Lisa was in fact painted in order to conceal important historical and religious facts, possibly regarding the extraterrestrial presence and its surreptitious involvement within the Roman Catholic Church. However... The video provides no possible explanation for the existence of the being and admits to enhancing the colors of the painting to make the features more visible. One skeptical YouTube commenter wrote, Alien High Priest? What religion would be an alien? There you go. We're on the same page, aren't we? (laughs) I'm not going to give myself points for that, but I'll sit here and smile. (laughs) Diaphanous. There you go. Heather's on minus four. (laughs) Good times. I've actually seen this image and it looks exactly like uh, the Geiger drawings and paintings for the original Alien. It has that kind of look about it. But if you wish to see that, it is available on our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. I run screaming from the giant crab into a story about ufos it says roswell slides unveiled ufo fans left heartbroken by area 51 alien photo unveiling which was an epic fail two photographs of a dead alien were unveiled at a big money event this week and were immediately dismissed as fakes a series of usologists ufologists usologists yes they study uh, unidentified flying sausages <laughs> you ever been hit by a flying sausage greg no. The night is still young, sir. <laughs> a series... Oh, that stung. 
A series of UFOlogists appeared at the Bee Witness meeting to reveal images of an extraterrestrial who supposedly crashed to Earth during the infamous Roswell incident in 1947. The images were found by former journalist Alan Dew, who has since taken steps to verify the pair of alien snaps and said Kodak experts had dated the film to 1947. The rest of the world has not had a chance to test the rigours of his methods because high-resolution images of the aliens are not yet available. They are likely to be sold through his production company, Dew Media, alongside a documentary about the discovery of the slides. The photos were supposedly found in Arizona, hidden in a collection of snaps owned by oil geologist Bernard Ray and his wife Hilda, who have both since died. Nick Pope, a researcher who headed up a UFO investigation wing at the UK's Ministry of Defence said he was underwhelmed. It could be a model or it could simply be a fake image, dressed up to look like a 40s slide, he said. The motivations for hoaxing are complex. Some hoaxes are money-making scams, but sometimes it's just a desire to say, we fooled the world. I can understand why the UFO community is disappointed, and conspiracy theorists are probably already claiming the whole thing was a government plot, designed to discredit the subject and make us look ridiculous. After the photographs were revealed, UFO spotters immediately took to Twitter to share screenshots of the snaps using the hashtag be disappointed. I've seen these photographs and it, they look exactly like um, child mummies. So you imagine children being mummified by the Egyptians two, three, four thousand years ago. They actually look like child mummies if that makes sense. They didn't look real to me. I mean, if you want to see these images, again, they're available um, on our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Ian. You can go and have a look at them. They've not been revealed to the public yet, but we know people in the know, and they're on there if people want to see them. You laugh. We know people behind the scenes. We know people in MUFON. We have these images if people want to see them. But as I said, they look like mummy, mummified children to me. Have you seen them? Has anyone seen them? Yeah, they look like my mummy. They look like your mummy. <laughs> well, she has had a hard life, to be fair. She had to bring you up. We shall move into the ad breaks. For more informative paranormal madness, please stay tuned after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot, crop circles, giant crabs, hairy fish and theology. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. The meetings are from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a field late at night in the dark with a laser pen pointing up to the sky and saying, come and get me, is perfectly normal. The Minnesota chapter of the UFO network MUFON meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in mummified children or flying sausages is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows someone who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. 
If you or your business would like to sponsor the show and contribute to the beast that is more questions than answers, you are more than welcome to contact me. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania and for the annoying inability to say abominable snowman live on air. Welcome back for the second part of tonight's show. If you have just joined us, then where have you been and what could have been more important? If you've stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show still left to go. Hurrah and a happy dance all around the bedroom. Remember, you can contact the show at any time via our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. Where all of tonight's stories and much, much more can be found in glorious detail and technicolour for your perusal, including all of the photographs and videos that accompany our stories. You can also write to me and send me your stories at mqta at rocketmail.com. And my Twitter account is Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. Come and join us on there and follow all the fun and frivolity that is the week's news of the paranormal. I've now been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies. I have fresh flashlight batteries and my mother has thankfully stopped snoring in the room next door. So onwards we march into the round that is strange and bizarre. It's the stories from around the world that don't fit into any other category but are too good not to read out live on air. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round that is strange and bizarre? You are currently on minus four. (laughs) Kim is on four. I'm on five and Greg is on a lonely little number one. Florida man tries to cash a $368 billion check. And then the story gets really weird. Where did he try cashing that? Who's holding that kind of money? Well, uh, in late April, Jeff Waters strolled casually into Bank of America in Jacksonville. Florida. Oh, it's yeah, all in Florida. It's yeah, either yeah. Oklahoma or Florida is where the nutters live, apparently. I've discovered this. <laughs> and I've been in this country long enough to know if someone comes from Iowa just by their driving. Oh, uh, he presented a check for the amount of $368 billion made out to cash. Okay. Would you like that in dollar bills or shall I give them to you in fives quarters. and tens? Quarters. quarters. You want quarters. You'd need a wheelbarrow. And this is when the story gets really weird. I'm always behind one of these people in a line. I'm lining up at the bank. You can bet as sure as God made little apples. I this guy's standing you know, in front of me. I cannot say anything because I've seen you pay for some of your purchases by pulling out a huge pocket full of change and say, use all the small ones first. Um, I wasn't pleased to see you. I had a big pocket full of change. <laughs> I have so much change in my pocket. I'm walking around the shops with a limp. And you don't put any numbers on your coins. I've been to 32 countries around the world. I swear to God. There could be a queue of 10 people. Use all the small ones first. Absolutely. It's all good legal <laughs> currency. The trouble I have... You're like the old lady with the coupons. It's hey? terrible. <laughs> you sound like it's a bad thing. I had trouble getting that dress on. <laughs> you do not put a number. There are no numbers on your coins. But I- they're different shapes. Does that help? Wow, fantastic. That helps me enormously. And of course, you've placed them in the smallest being the lowest denominator all the way up to the highest one, of course. I will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, delve deep now into your pockets. Have a good route around. Lint. And then pull out all of the change in your pockets. If there is a number on any... Greg's doing it. Put your trousers back on, man. 
If there's a number on any of those coins, I will personally give you an autographed signed copy of my book. Greg's pulled a golf tee out of his pocket. I'm wondering what else he's got. Any balls in there, Greg? Let's see what we've all got in our pockets. I don't want to see what Nathan's got in his pockets. No, I don't got nothing. Apparently, Waters bought a blank U.S. Bank of Idaho check from the 90s off of a homeless man named Tito for 100 (laughs) bucks. So a homeless man... Gave him a check for $100. No, the check wasn't for $100. He gave him a blank oh. bank of Idaho check. That's going to be paid in potatoes then, I'm guessing. Good old Tito told Waters that he could make that check out for any amount he wanted. And Jeff was going to go big. He could have written for just maybe $10 million and be set for life. But no, he went for billions it's always been my dream to own the best Italian restaurant in the earth. He could own Italy for that amount of money. <laughs> Waters reportedly told the police, I am 10% Italian. Cooking authentic Italian food is in my blood. <laughs> how can you be Only 10% of his blood? How can you be fair. 10% Italian? Because if, you're, if your mum or your dad's I, Italian, you're 50%, right? He's from Florida. If your grandparents... One of your grandparents is Italian. You're a quarter. That's that's a quarter. That's 25. You can't be 10% Italian. He is. Just ask him. Okay. So he's only pinching 10%. <laughs> Maybe he's the one of a set of twins or something. <laughs> I don't know. But so he's the one that's blood. Italian, but the other twin's right, American. Right. I see there where you, you are. <laughs> I am only pinching 10% of your bottom, madam. I'm only stealing 10% of your purse. Sorry, that was just some Italian stereotyping. I can only apologize to my Italian friends. Uh, there goes our listeners from Italy. All three of them. <laughs> yep, they're gone. Um, do you want to know what he spent his money on? He or actually, what he would have spent his oh, money Oh, what on. he would have spent his money yes, on. Yes, he had plans. Paying for the told... U.S. government to put numbers on its coins? No. Uh, I had planned to make the restaurant, an Italian restaurant, 80 million square feet and able to accommodate 30 million eaters at once. Plus, it was going to be totally underwater so people could look at the sharks while they ate. Was he going to do this with five loaves of bread and two fishies by any chance? Probably. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm really sad to report that the bank totally rained on his parade and refused to cash the check. Because they're only working with potatoes. But wait, it gets better. The bank wouldn't give me the money they owed me, Waters said. Tito said the check was good for any amount I wanted to write it for. So blame it on Tito, not on me. I'm as innocent as a schoolgirl. I don't wow. know why he mentioned that. <laughs> yes, I've, I was a teacher for 15 years, and I can assure you that that's not true. So the police raided his house. They found bath salts and Chinese throwing stars on the innocent schoolgirls' waters when they arrested him for forgery, which we think is the basic starter kit. Did you for say the bath restaurant. salts? Bath salts. I did, is it illegal to own bath salts? Is Actually, it? people are, I think, are using them for an alternative drug rather than turning your water soft no i'm, I'm dead serious i had a terrible it's saturday night at university i did three lines of bath salts i was blowing bubbles for two weeks oh that's not a no, michael jackson it, reference you I can get in trouble for that what for doing lines of bath salts it, it's not lines they're smoking the bath salts or something I don't, i'm not it's an expert weird. on bathroom i've heard of it it okay. was another story that I bypassed for the week. Smoking bath salts. Yes. I've got all their albums. The first album was the best, I thought. Have you got their albums, Greg? <laughs> no, I missed that one. Yeah, that was uh, late <laughs> 70s. There. I hear they rock. <laughs> salt? Okay. Rock salt. 
You're not I getting any more you. points. I was with you. You're wrong. Minus two. There is a show in here dying to get out. Man with a bad man with a bad cough spewed out a wriggling critter. Graphic designer Phil Linden, fifty-two, originally from Ealing, felt the need to hack up what he thought was a large flemble. Does anyone Loogie. know the difference? For a, I will give you points if anyone can tell me the difference between French kissing and Belgium kissing. Does anyone know? Flemish. Belgium kissing's like French kissing, but there's more phlegm involved. <laughs> I can't even hit my bell properly anymore. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yeah. Old age has crept up with me. I have to get someone else to do it now. Greg, do you want to do it? Nope, I'm not going to Fair enough. There was points to be had. But he, oh, Greg, your hands are cold. But he was amazed to discover what he coughed up was in fact a five millimetre long bug, thought to be a mayfly oh, nib. Oh, God. Mr. Linden, who now lives near River Brent and could have inhaled it in his sleep, said, I've had a bad cough for a little while and went to the doctor's last Thursday. He gave me antibiotics and on Friday morning I coughed up what I thought was a big lump of phlegm into the toilet. I then looked oh. a little closer as I could see something brown in it and it was wriggling. Greg, ever looked in a toilet bowl and found something brown and wriggling? No, I haven't. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and fished it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> it didn't taste like a nymph. It had stopped moving by this point, and I took a picture of it on my iPad. When I zoomed into the image, I could clearly see that it was a bug. I was alarmed that there might have been something alive inside my lungs, and knew instantly that it was not something I could ignore. Oh. I went straight back to the doctors, who immediately referred me to the hospital for tropical diseases. They x-rayed my chest to check for any infestation, which, thank God, was clear, and took a blood test to see if there'd been any changes due to the creature. Then they took it away to be looked at by a bug expert. He underwent a number of tests to check, and it was not host to any tropical parasites. An expert from the British Bugs website said it looks like a mangled mayfly nymph, missing most of its legs, i.e. some of the legs are still in his throat, I'm guessing. Uh. If so, it's definitely not parasitic or anything to worry about. More likely, you accidentally ingested it sometime, perhaps while asleep. They will be coming out of the water to emerge as adults around now and sometimes end up on people's ceilings. So my best advice is to obviously sleep with your mouth shut or perhaps sleep on your front. Having said that, if it's on the ceiling and falls down on you, it might not be the best thing to be sleeping on your front. What's worse, do you think? Swallowing it or sleeping on your front and watching it disappear? What would be worse? <laughs> you're all looking at me as if I'm mad. If they fall from the ceiling and your mouth's open and you're snoring, you've got problems, right? If you're sleeping on your front, where's it going? <laughs> Gone. Disappeared. <laughs> Holding all-night parties with its friends, keeping you awake at night, being embarrassing when you're on the bus on the way to work. Just saying. What is the average number of spiders they say a person swallows in a lifetime? Why don't we get it done now? And then you don't have to worry for the rest of your lifetime. We'll get a big bucket of spiders. We'll do it now. And then you don't have to worry for the rest you of your first. life. Yeah, no. you first. I'm then going to have to swallow a bird to swallow the spider. So it could be quite a long day, I'm guessing. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of Strange and Bizarre? I already told you my 368 billion dollar check story. Kim, you're not getting more points for that. You're on minus two and be pleased for that. Diaphanous. It's not working. I can't do that. <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me in The Strange and the Bazaar? Goofy Church of Bacon offers religious services to meat lovers. Church of Bacon. Church of Bacon. Founded in 2012 by Las Vegas-based ex-Marine John Whiteside, 
The basic premise of the United Church of Bacon is rather simple. Bacon is our God, because bacon is real. Well, who can argue with logic like that? <laughs> I worship before the altar that is bacon. They, Sorry, I just thought, you know, worshiping bacon. They claim bacon. they have 4,000 meat-loving members. I'm sorry? <laughs> Some of funny. whom yeah. even bear quirky titles. Meat-loving members. You're not getting yes. away with that. That's the triple M. Three M. Yeah. Do you but, have to walk around with bacon hanging around your neck? Bacon hats. <laughs> the Baconettes. Wasn't that Elvis Presley's backing band? Elvis Presley and the Baconettes. <laughs> no? No. Okay, just me then. He says he, that they chose a funny bacon name to expose how wrong it is for society to give automatic respect and special privileges to religions. So the website goes on to describe the church's real missions to oppose supernatural claims, fight discrimination against atheists, raise money for charity, perform legal weddings, and of course, praise bacon. <laughs> I want to get married in the church of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Streaky. That's terrible. It ends with saying, if bacon hasn't quite reached godly status for you yet, perhaps you might consider the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster instead. We had yes, that. We, we had that many years ago. There was the yes. Church of the Flying. And what did they have to wear? A strain around their head, remember? I do recall this very yes, well. You've yes. worn a strain on your head ever since. It's on uh, your driving license. Yes, I had to fight for it to be on my driver's license. Happy days. We now walk sideways like a crab with a heavy trout in one hand to the round that is not for your mother. This is the round where you need to send your mother out of the room if she's easily offended. These are the stories from around the world that are laden with innuendo that are perhaps going to get us removed from the air. These are the DVD extras. If you have small children, then obviously usher them out of the room, give them a cup of hot cocoa and give them Caligula to read. I will start this round. A Camberley man, 51, sneezes out a childhood toy dart. A 51-year-old man has been reunited with part of a toy dart that he played with as a child after he sneezed it out. Can you imagine sneezing? A dart flies out your nose and you kill someone. He sat there minding his own business. He goes, achoo. And then the, his grandmother's like, I'm blind in one eye. Just It no. could happen. No, just me then. Plastic dart or metal? It's rubber, actually. Is I'm it? just—it's a rubber dart. Yes. Okay, I was just curious. It's like a game: metal, plastic, or wood. Is that how those dart guns work? I have no idea. If you—if uh, we came out, you sneeze at something like 700 miles an hour. So if a dart flies out your nose, somebody somewhere is going to get it in their head. Is what I'm saying. Steve Easton from Surrey was overcome by a sneezing fit and a very uncomfortable sensation before he felt something make its way out of his left nostril and slowly unfurl itself. After he retrieved it, Mr. Easton was unable to work out what it was until he phoned his mother, Pat. She knew instantly it was a rubber sucker lost more than 40 years ago. Yet she did nothing about it. She knew that man had a rubber dart stuck up his nose for 40 years, knew exactly what it was and didn't think that at any given point she should take him to the doctor or do something about it. I just think that's bizarre. Oh, yes, that'll be the dart you shoved up your nose when you were three. How many times were you taken to the doctor because you shoved up crayons? Yes, in my ear mainly. I it got, was in I your got ear. A lot of stuff. <laughs> I got a missile from a tank, a model of a tank stuck in my ear. This is true. <laughs> Mr. Eaton was at home in Camberley playing a game on the internet when it happened. It was a very strange sensation, so I retrieved it to examine it. When it went through the window, oh, it was in next door's God. lawn. 
The rubber sucker became an object of curiosity that he had carried around with him because people were so interested. But as since throwing it out, I couldn't throw that out. If that spent 40 years inside my body, I couldn't throw that out. I'd have it by my bedside. It's probably cabinet. the first time he smelled something in years. It does make me wonder if he's had a rubber dart stuck up his nose. <laughs> what kind of olfactory experience he's been having all of his life. It's the length of time, he said. I'm not the first person this has happened to. Wow. But 43 years, it's quite out there, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. Now, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, live on air, that I decided to have a good route around this afternoon and uh, subsequently I found a Lego brick a shoe belonging to G.I. Joe, and I found an X-Wing fighter. So it just tells you, you know. Up your nose? Yes, yes, I did, yes. Where else did you think they'd be? Where would an X-Fighter go? It's not going anywhere near my Death Star. I'm telling you that straight off the bat. (laughs) Heather, what have you got for me in the round of Not For Your Mother? Swedish peace group trolls Russian submarines with gay defense system. Have you heard about this? Is this gaydar? Yes. Okay, no, I haven't heard about this. This was just a wild stab in the dark. Forget Britain's Trident or Israel's Iron Drome. Oh, excuse me, Iron Dome. Iron Drome. Yeah, the Drome. Isn't that like a camel made out of metal? Well, I was thinking, you know, you were going X-Fighter and I was thinking Drone and so it kind of went. Is a camel with two humps got twice as much fat and water than a camel with one? I mean, has anyone done that survey? Is this what you're thinking about when I'm doing my story? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm also thinking, (laughs) you know, is that camel wearing makeup? I mean, is there an element of... Good Lord. Camel rouge? Oh, peace-loving Sweden has come up with a much more innovative and inclusive system for defence. The Swedish Peace and Arbitration Society... Peace-loving Sweden? This is where the Vikings came from. What? I'm just saying, I'm it was rape and pillage for four or five hundred years. This is peace-loving Sweden, They are it? trying to deal with the encroaching Russian submarines in Swedish waters. You will know there's no such thing as peace-loving Sweden if you go to Ikea during the sales. That's all I'm saying. People you, will you kill each other I'm, for a I, futon. You know I'm part Swede, right? Yes, and that's why you're gobby and you're a minus two at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and we know that Kim's part Swedish because she's had a moustache for most of the game. <laughs> Well, what they're doing is they have a device that's been admitting anti-homophobia Morse code. (laughs) Wow. Anti-homophobic Morse code. That's right. Dot, dot, dot. It's actually officially called the Singing Sailor Underwater Defense System. I think Nathan's got a gadget called the Singing Sailor, am I correct? (laughs) Yes. Yes. He took it to Britain and didn't realise it was 240 volts and it took him three weeks to take the smile off his face. Uh, (laughs) The nickname is actually called the Gay Sailor. Okay. And it is a I get a copy of that every month. It's a subsurface sonar system. Gay Sailor is one of my favourite publications. It's always (laughs) on my coffee table. There's always a big close-up of the hull. Do you know what the message says in Morse code? It says, this way if you're gay. Okay. That's what the sonar says. It's an, an attempt to deter apparently homophobic Russians. Did you know so if, they were homophobic? Yes, yes, I did, actually. They were um, looking to, uh, during the Winter Olympics, there was a lot of problems with... Uh, 2013. There you go. Um, they banned the propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations. Yes. And that was by Putin. Yes, it was. Putin. So. Yes, there was there was a lot of problems over the Winter Olympics held in Russia recently over the fact that they took a very anti-gay stance. Yes. Uh, the design of this device is 
fabulous. Which is going to be um, really useful, isn't it, for all of our listeners? I know, but I'll put it up on the website. It's a neon flashing sign with a dancing sailor, naked but for a cap and a small white brief, <laughs> surrounded by hearts. I think I've nothing better like... to do in Sweden. Is it those long, dark nights and eating meatballs? And they actually submerge this. Okay. <laughs> and, then Im- and then and then Im- it emits the sonar. Every gal, every, every Every gay dolphin and every gay wow within a 2,000-mile radius is suddenly clubbing. It's, Perhaps it's not a good idea to mention seals and dolphins and the word clubbing. But <laughs> It actually says, welcome to Sweden, gay since 1944. What if you was gay in Sweden before then? I don't know. Okay. That's just when it was, so came, we were out, fight- came out. So when we were fighting the World War too, they they were laying down rules for being gay in Sweden. Yes. Okay, well, I'm um, glad they were useful to the benefit of mankind. Sweden is not currently a member of NATO. No. Or um, the European Union. But thanks to the gay sailors' defense system, it may never have to be because they're so good at defense. They're so good at defense. Yes. As long as the people that attack them are gay, I'm guessing. Are gay intolerant. Oh, gay intolerant. Yes. Okay. Come this way if you're gay. Yes. To Sweden. Yes. Well, there's a message there for everybody. I'm not quite sure what it is. I'm not sure either, but it's big news, I'm telling you. And the moral of that story is don't mess with my granddad when he's had a drink. Kim, what have you got for me next in the round of Not For Your Mother? Florida man turns himself in for murdering his imaginary friend. It's Florida again. What's wrong with them down here? Is it the hot weather or the oranges? I have... It's too much sun. Too much sun. What city were you in before with your story, do you Jacksonville. recall? Jacksonville. Okay, I'm in Jacksonville as well. <laughs> well, they've had quite the week. I thought it was the same. I had to ask to be sure. I couldn't remember. They're next door neighbors. Is the friend's name Harvey? <laughs> no. Oh. No. We've got Jeff Gaylord, 37, entered the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office earlier today and turned himself in for killing his imaginary friend, Mr. Happy. <laughs> Mr. Happy. Come with me. Well, he's going to have lots of time with Mr. Happy when he's in jail, isn't he? Uh, Gaylord told officers he had stabbed Mr. Happy repeatedly with a kitchen knife, cut up the body with a hatchet, and buried the victim in his backyard. A remorseful Gaylord told officers he wanted the death penalty for his crime, preferably right now. (laughs) (laughs) Gaylord said he killed his imaginary friend of seven years for multiple reasons, one being for being messy. For ignoring him. <laughs> it's a sad, what state must you be in mentally? Well, Florida, obviously. <laughs> what, st- what state must you be in mentally if even your imaginary friend won't talk to you? I mean, that's a terrible state of affairs. Uh, his room was a mess all the time with his toys and dolls, Gaylord told the police. He left his empty vodka bottles all over the kitchen, never picked up his empty cocaine baggies. Christ, it sounds like living with my mother. <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, she goes out all hours of the night. She never. How long does it take to make a phone call? I don't know where she is. She treats the place like a hotel. Does she, she leave the toilet seat down when she pees? No, she's snoring currently. We mustn't make her up. Too much noise being had. <laughs> Uh, He messed up my apartment to the point where I just couldn't get it clean. Before Hap started doing drugs and acting weird, he was my BFF. We'd go dancing, play on the children's park equipment, both huge fans of doom metal. Can you imagine there's a strange man playing on the children's park equipment, talking to a person that's not there, Mm -hmm. and all the parents saying to their kids, don't get any of that man, he's, you know, he's he's from Florida. (laughs) 
<laughs> Gaylord said he and Mr. Happy had grown very unhappy in their relationship and Mr. hadn't had a real conversation in at least a year. Mr. Unhappy. Oh, I was going to say that. Do you think he ever felt happy? No, because he wasn't there. <laughs> The breaking point came when Mr. Happy allegedly crashed Mr. Gaylord's Nissan Altima after the friends had been out celebrating Mr. Happy's birthday at Hooters. Look, here comes Gaylord and Mr. Happy. Children's entertainers. No? Okay. <laughs> they ended up being arrested. It was a drunk driving incident, and he got... Un- now, this is Mr. Gaylord, got unfairly blamed for uh, the accident. Because no one was driving sat next to him. Mr. <laughs> Happy was driving. So this is how their relationship ended is because of this accident. Okay. Mr. Gaylor just absolutely did, was upset with all of that. So his imaginary friend was the one that was drink driving and he got the blame for it. Right. Wow. It's a sad state of affairs, isn't it, when you can't trust your best friend. That's yep. outrageous. <laughs> wow. The, the police did, he became very upset when the police told him that they could not give him the death penalty for this crime. Can you imagine if they'd have spent three months digging up his backyard to not find anything? They'd be very unhappy. I wonder if he's doing this as a ploy just to get his ground turned over so he can plant all his spring flowers. Tell them you've buried a body in the yard. They do all the digging for you. And then when they've gone, you plant your vegetables. There you go. Fabulous. I like the sound of that. You shall have points. You are now on a remarkable six. I shall give myself seven because I'm in charge. Heather, (laughs) what have you got for me? Now in the round of Not For Your Mother. Did I get points from the last one? Maybe. Yes. You're on zero. (laughs) I need a lot of points. You need seven as it stands. Montgo Senior found with prostitute under bed at an assisted living home. Under the bed? Yes, and he loses his subsidy. Does he? Yeah. Oh, that was my hip replacement. (laughs) A man living in a Montgomery County assisted living facility has lost his housing subsidy after officials say he paid prostitutes using profits earned from peddling alcohol to fellow residents. It sounds like a prison. Where? What state is this in? I don't know. How how is any of that a crime? Apparently it's a crime. The man, who is believed to be in his 70s, Fair play to uh, was bounced from the facility after the prostitute was found under his bed. Under Poor his guy. Bed. The man, quote, more mobile gentleman, unquote, at the complex where he was living, would go out on booze runs for his fellow residents, bringing back the liquor and selling it at a profit. Fantastic entrepreneur. That's, I think so. Um, but that was not what landed him in hot water. He was using his profits for prostitutes, and one was found hiding under his bed. Poor guy. I didn't know that. Is that a crime? What, hiding prostitutes under your bed? At a nursing home? I don't know. It's very specific. Why can't you Why can't you do that? I don't. Because he, he's in a bunk bed? I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the guy below him got a shock. <laughs> um, I, that's basically all I got for poor little Mr. Guy who so was we hiding don't know. a prostitute under his bed. So he's now looking for a home. He is. He got unhomed. He got unhomed. Homeless, we call that in Britain. Yeah. I have a story here. This is just the worst story you'll ever hear. I'm going to give myself points here for this. This is just... Where's my points from the last one? Okay, you're on one. (laughs) (laughs) Bugger. You're now up to... You're a level with Greg. There may be a tiebreaker here for last place. I'd be winning if I didn't lose 10 points in the beginning. This is true. Well spotted. (laughs) The woman wasn't scoring. (laughs) There's no sense of learning, is there, at any point during this show? 
Woman puts dead skin shavings from her feet in the family's milk. What do you do with yours? What do I do with mine? I put it in lasagna. <laughs> what do you think I do with mine? I don't care. How was those hash browns? <laughs> a woman is accused of putting dead skin shavings in the family's milk. Sarah Preston Schrock is said to have contaminated the milk with dead skin from her feet and then served it to the family members at her home. The 56-year-old from Mechanicsville, Virginia, was arrested on Wednesday and charged with poisoning or contaminating food, three counts of assault and failure to comply with a peace order. The poisoning or contaminating of food charge is a felony, punishable by up to 25 years in jail. It shrocks third arrest in nine days. She's on a bit of a roll. Wow. Have we got a full moon at the moment? No. She was handed a peace order, which she uh, actually breached a week later by verbally contacting the alleged victim. So she's got a lot of problems at the moment, not just... So how did she inject her skin into the milk if she had a peace order against her? Well, the peace order was against someone else. I'm guessing she shaved off bits from her feet with a potato peeler or some sort of cheese grater and then placed it in the family's milk. Can you imagine it's a cold, yeah, really hot summer's... I didn't notice if there's bits in my milk. Well, I was thinking if it was a really hot summer's evening and you stumble to the fridge at two o'clock in the morning with a gasping thirst and you open up the carton of milk and you swig it down and a big lump goes down with it. Wouldn't be the best thing, would it? That's so disgusting. It reminds me of a time I was swimming in some public baths, a public swimming pool, doing the breaststroke and I swallowed a corn plaster. That was all. It just Ew. makes me. It just makes me think of that. It's outrageous. I just can't believe this story. It's uh, why would you do that? I mean, what's the benefit of that? Does anyone want a cup of tea? By the way, milk, milk <laughs> with two lumps. I'm just saying, outrageous, terrible stories. I'm not happy with that story. That's not a good way to end, is it? No. I'm sorry to disappoint everybody. <laughs> I said skim milk. <laughs> it's terrible. You're back to minus 10. No, no high fives. I said cornflakes. No, it's not working. You're still on minus 10. Well, all terrible jokes must come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter with the dead battery, it is Heather who went from zero to minus 10 in the blink of a bad joke. Kim, you are currently in second place with six. Greg is in third place with one. But I have won tonight's show on a fabulous seven. And I will win the $33,000 IR camera. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, giant crabs, hairy fish, the intriguing, the bizarre, flying sausages, poisonous milk and all things that are weird. If you blow out a dart through your nose, you shall also be included on the show please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com you can also follow my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips where you will see all of tonight's stories and much much more my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to lorna hunter heather morris chaton drainer kim and greg gore and all at the international paranormal society int paranormal.com 
Net, and all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group, MUFON of Minnesota and Small Alien Children. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. <laughs>